You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And I'm joined alongside tonight our very good friend, our Packers insider, Mr. Paul Brettel. Paul, how was your day, bud? It was excellent. Always happy to join you, Clayton. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I tell you, we've got, like I was telling you offline, we've got football right over Football's here to the back. right. Yes. And, you know, it'll probably <laughs> slow the stream down a little bit tonight, but I don't care. It's going to be on the TV the entire time. It's just the way it's going to go. But uh, I'm excited about this Bears game coming up, man. Um, I, I tell you. And, and of course, what seems like in, in the final hour, they throw a wrench into it, right, with these uh, these injuries at the wide receiver mm-hmm. position. Lord knows we're extremely deep at wide receiver, especially with veterans, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, that would be the position that gets hit with a little bit of an injury bug. But uh, let's, let's just try to jump right into it. What's the latest that you've heard, Paul, on Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and their injuries? It seems like the uh, the hamstring bugs going around the going around the complex over there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what both are dealing with right now. I'm sure as everyone's heard, uh, Watson was again out of Thursday's practice. Romeo Dobbs was a limited participant, which is a really good sign. You know, Matt Lafleur has given his answer that he always gives when talking about injuries. We're going to give them up until game time, see how they're feeling, and we'll make the decision there. Um, as far as Dobbs, he said that he looked good out there. He went through uh, individual drills and uh, some of the team portion in terms of running routes against air wasn't going, you know, one-on-one against any of the cornerbacks by any means, uh, but said he looked good. Adam Stenovich said the same thing. And I think when it comes to Romeo Dobbs, we're looking at what happens tomorrow. If he's back out there, that means there weren't any setbacks. And again, this is just my guess, my speculation on it, but if he's out there tomorrow, even if it's a limited capacity, I'm going to guess that he's questionable going into Sunday. And as long as there's no setbacks between now and then, again, my guess is that he's going to be out there. With Christian, we all know hamstring injuries. I mean, they can take some time. I mean, look at Dobbs. This happened to him before the Seattle game. So it's been almost two weeks now. So it was about 10 or 11 days of time off before he was actually back at practice. And, you know, as Matt LaFleur said, not specifically about Watson, but talking about, you know, other players, uh, 
I think you mentioned it with Rashawn Gary this offseason. You know, they want to make sure that they have those guys for the long haul. And if that means taking it easier early on at the start of the year, that's what they're going to do. So of the two, in terms of their availability for Sunday, uh, the Watson one is the one that I'm more concerned with, again, just because he's had such a shorter time frame or will have such a shorter time frame to get that injury right to be able to be on the football field. And as we all know, those are the type of injuries that can linger. Yeah. As far as when or how that happened to Watson, that's an unknown. You know, we asked the floor that on uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, you know, did it because they were they had a few days off. They the NFL mandates that the players have to go home. I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, yeah. leading into week one. Um, the Packers did have a practice on Monday that was close to the media. So not sure if something happened then. But in terms of when this happened, you know, LeFleur was tight lipped about that. But again, keep your eyes on Dobbs. If he's out there tomorrow, I would feel a lot better about his odds for Sunday. And then Watson, that's the one I'm nervous about. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Watson. You know, like you said, those hamstrings, the first thing that came to mind for me was Clay Matthews back in the day, right? It was just always a hammy coming out of training camp, it seemed like. And uh, it's tough, man. It is because, you know, Christian Watson, I, I personally think Romeo Dobbs is a deep threat as well. I think he's a lot mm-hmm. quicker than most people realize. But, you know, missing Christian Watson, being able to stretch that field vertically, and and obviously what he did to the Bears last year um, with the jet sweep, you know, mm-hmm. and the infamous celebration where he changed his mind halfway in the air, right? <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, it's tough, man. It's a tough pill to swallow for sure. Um, let's do this. I want to want to give a shout out to Josh Martin real quick. Appreciate the super chat. He said, "Go Chiefs, go Bills." That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much what we're doing tonight. We're all Chiefs fans tonight, right, Paul? <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, Let's do this. Let's get to another question. And it kind of goes hand in hand with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. If one or even worse, you know, both they, they can't suit up on Sunday, you know, let's just assume let's play devil's advocate for a second and assume they're both inactive for Sunday's game. How do you think that would affect coach LaFleur's game plan? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big blow, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, you just mentioned what Watson brings. There's the speed, the big playability, uh, but he's someone who can bring that in all parts of the field. And we really saw that during training camp this year. You know, he's going to be so much more this season than just that vertical threat. And then Dobbs, obviously, we're hoping he'll be out there as well. But, you know, Matt LaFleur said he doesn't think there's a route he can run. And to your point about his ability to win downfield, he no, he's not Watson, Jaden Reed fast, but he's still fast. And with that route running ability, he just knows how to create space and win in those areas. Um, You know, I expect with or without either of those guys, the run game to be a big part of this one. It can make Jordan loves life a lot easier when you're not playing behind the sticks, not in obvious passing situations, sets up play action, uh, opens up opportunities in the passing game. And then also this was a bears defense that we're looking at last season, of course, but wasn't good at all against stopping the run. I think they ranked 27th in yards per rush allowed, 29th or 30th in uh, run defense DVOA. And they've made some changes up front. They added Andrew Billings, Demarcus Ware at uh, edge, Yannick Ngakwe at edge, uh, added uh, TJ Edwards at linebacker. But still, it's even if there's improvement, this guessing the improvement isn't going to go from one of the worst to one of the best either, you know? So there's that opportunity to exploit them in that capacity. So again, with or without them, I think that's going to be 
a part of the game plan for the reasons mentioned. But if you're Chicago and you don't have to worry about Christian Watson and or Romeo Dobbs, you know, I'm doing everything I can to stop the run. I'm going to make Jordan Love and these young pass catchers go out and beat me. And that's a really tough task for a young quarterback. Go back to last season. I know it wasn't MVP Aaron Rodgers or 13 and three Green Bay Packers, but that was still Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense that had, you know, been really successful over the previous few seasons. And early on in the year before they had Watson had his breakout, you know, defenses weren't afraid of the deep ball against this offense. So they condensed the field. You know, they tried to take away the run game. They took away the quick passing game. They dared the Packers to beat them over the top, and they struggled with that. So my point being with that is we've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers in this offense struggle in that capacity. You can only imagine what potentially could happen to a first-time starting quarterback, a young group of receivers. And I think in terms of if they're without either one of these guys, the answer might be an Aaron Jones. We've seen that in the past, and I wrote about this. Uh, over at Packers Wire today, uh, in previous games, you know, look at the Kansas City game in 2019 when they were without Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones led the team in receptions with seven, had that big 159-yard performance, two touchdowns. Uh, 2021, when the receiver room was depleted because so many guys were on the reserve COVID list, Aaron Jones, seven receptions, led the team uh, in pass catches. I think he had 59, 60 yards in that game. Uh, another 2019 game against Dallas, seven more receptions for him. He had 75 yards in that game. And also worth noting, the Packers are 3-0 and in those games as well. So I think we've seen a bit of the blueprint of what the Packers plan to do, how they plan to operate in the passing game when they are shorthanded at the receiver position. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that Toure, Reed, Heath, Musgrave, those guys, they're still going to have to contribute, of course. But... Aaron Jones could take on a, a much, much larger role from a passing game perspective uh, in this game, you know, if they're without Watson or Dobbs. But I think it's going to still come down to being effective on the ground game again, because you just don't want to put the young quarterback, the young pass catchers in those predictable situations. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the things that came to mind for me when I was mulling this over last night and live on the air, trying to stay focused on doing a show live. And also my, my, my gears are just turning going, okay, how can they approach this? Obviously we'll probably see a little more 12 personnel. And mm-hmm. then I got to thinking the, you know, this morning I, I kind of woke up and it's, you know, the pony package, right? Imagine Aaron Jones, you want your best 11 on the field, right? And, and I'm sorry if Christian Watson and or Romeo Dobbs aren't available, AJ Dillon is one of your best 11. There's no doubt about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you come out in that double sidecar pony package and then, of course, pre-snap motion Aaron Jones into the slot. There you go, right? You're, you're still getting – you're you're coming out in a 21 personnel trigger in their base 4-3, and you might be able to come up with a couple of mismatches, especially if you attack at levels and drive concepts, things like that. Um, God, it's just football is such a game of chess. It's so much fun. It Even is. when there's injuries that happen, <laughs> yes, it sucks, but at the same time you immediately start to think, okay, how how is LaFleur going to put this together? And, and am I wrong by asking you this, Paul? LaFleur seems – very calm, right? Does he mm-hmm. seem calm to you right now? I mean, if I had heard my top two receivers might be missing this game, I'm not saying he would go to the media and start panicking, but it just seems like he's handling this really well. It's just, I don't know. Like, he's pretty even kill, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, part of it's just experience now in terms of being a head coach, but he summed it up well. He goes, whether you're injured, whether you're inexperienced at a position, the NFL doesn't care. At the end of the day, you got to go out there with the group that you have and you got to do your best to perform. And, 
you know, again, nobody cares about that. And to your point on the, the two running back sets, I think that's going to be a big part of it as well. We saw a ton of that 21 and 12 personnel during training camp practices, uh, dominated it in terms of personnel usage. Uh, most times when they came out in there, you know, it's the start of team drills each day. They either had two tight ends or two running backs on the field. So I think that's going to be a big component as well. I had the opportunity to talk to AJ Dillon on Wednesday and Matt LaFleur said, I think it was a few weeks ago now that the emphasis for him this season for Dillon is having that low pad level. And so I asked AJ Dillon about that, you know, if that's the goal, you know, how do you go about practice? How do you go about that in practice to make sure you're doing so? And for him, it's a bit of a shift in, in mindset a little bit. He said, you know, his rookie year, it was about learning. And, you know, he was the third running back on the depth chart at that time behind Jones and, and Jamal Williams. His second year, he had kind of his coming on the scene season, as he put it. And then last season, he said he was just trying to be too perfect. He was, you know, trying to do everything as perfect as possible rather than just going out there and executing. So in terms of how do I execute, how does A.J. Dillon execute that low pad level? For him, it's the thought process of rather than being perfect, we're going to be dominant. We're going to be physical. And taking that mentality onto the football field, onto the practice field. He said he's been very happy with the results that he's seen in that capacity this summer. So as we're watching A.J. Dillon, you know, get his carries, especially early on this season, keep your eyes on that aspect of it. You know, is he is he breaking more tackles? Is he falling forward when tackled? Is he driving piles, you know, that extra yard or two? Because that's going to give us, you know, from the outside looking in and until we really get our hands on the film, you know, is he uh, is he accomplishing what's been a big major emphasis for him this offseason? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with what Carly Ray just said in the chat. She said, regardless of the receiver's availability, I want to see LaFleur establish the quote threat of the run game with this first game. I want opposing coaches to fear our running game. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't get away from it too soon. Obviously, mm-hmm. you want to go out there and and here's the other thing too. I mean, let's just I'm going to call it how I see it, Paul. <laughs> Until Justin Fields shows me otherwise, mm-hmm. he he's going to give you opportunities to you know capitalize on turnovers. If you can contain him in the running game and make him beat you with your arm, it, it, you might have to grind a game out here week one, right? If you're mm-hmm. if you're a little light handed for sure. So um, let's do I, this. Uh, oh, go ahead. Just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I really like that point as well. You know, I think I've talked about it on here previously on from the defensive side about being the one who's doing the dictating. I think last year in previous years, the Packers offense would let the opposing defense do a little too much of the dictating. I think we really saw that last season in the red zone in particular defense has yeah. loaded up the box, took, wanted to take away the run game, dare green Bay to pass. A lot of times the Packers were happy to oblige on that, <laughs> but you know, they didn't have the the receiving core last year to just right. lean on it as heavily as they wanted to at times. And so does that mean, you know, every time you see a loaded box, you're just going to you know, bang your head against the wall and hand it off, hand it off, hand it off? You know, of course not. But as Carly Ray said, the threat of it, you know, do you, you know, obviously it's more helpful if you're picking up five, six yards per carry to run play action to get bring teams in closer. But the key part beyond that even if you're not having success you just want the defense to think in a given situation they could run the ball here because now that's going to impact how the defense is going to uh, defend you on that play and that can still help open up things in the passing game even if you're not again ripping off those chunk runs 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the big talk for Bears fans this offseason was the free agency additions, obviously, of uh, of the two linebackers, right? And as we look at it here, it's going to be hard to see. I'll read off what it is. It's going to be a little blurry. These are the PFF grades for mm-hmm. uh, their defense, and this is us in an 11 personnel, them in their nickel. You can see you've got Edmonds at an 81.6 or Edwards at an 81.6, Edmonds at an 81.9. If you dig into their PFF grades a little bit more, you know Edmonds is very, very weak when it comes to run defense, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they stick with the run, just p- continue to pound the ball, make Chicago, uh, I should say, allow Chicago to make the mistakes. Let's play good ball control and just, just squeak this one out for sure. Final mm-hmm. question I got for you, and, and I know you, you mentioned several names just now. You may have tipped the hand a little bit, but I'm eager to hear your answer on this. If you had to pick two, you know, what we would refer to as X factors, right, for this Sunday's game on Green Bay's, you know, sideline, you know, one on offense, maybe one on defense, who do you think those players would be, Paul? So on offense, I'll go with Luke Musgrave. Uh, obviously, there's the 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 pass catching element that he brings, able to stretch the field, create big plays for himself, big play opportunities for others with the spacing he creates, the attention that he draws, big play target over the middle of the field. And obviously, if they're without either of those receivers, their starting receivers, you know, the Packers need for him to stand out in the passing game to make plays in the passing game becomes even more important. But also. We just talked about the importance of the run game. There's also the importance of keeping Jordan Love, first-time starting quarterback, clean on passing plays. Musgrave's biggest impact right away, we know, is going to come in the passing game, but he's going to be asked to block as well. So how does he hold up in that capacity? Matt LaFleur mentioned the last two days. He he essentially said something to the effect of, you know, he knows that the numbers, the pure numbers from this Bears defense last year obviously weren't – you know, leaping off the page by any means, but he said they're a defense that plays hard and they do a really, really good job of scheming up pressures, whether that's through blitzes, whether it's through, you know, stunts with post-snap movement. And that's something that this Packers offensive line, the tight ends, the running backs love are all going to have to be prepared for. So X factor on offense is Luke Musgrave again, the pass catching, but the blocking, it's a big, big component of this, especially with how important the run game is going to be. On the flip side, on defense, I'm going with TJ Slayton. Nice. Uh, Let's go. The Bears, we know they're going to want to run the ball. Matt LaFleur said that multiple times this week, whether it's Justin Fields. I think Khalil Herbert averaged 5.7 yards per carry. They drafted Roshan Johnson out of Texas in the fourth round. Like That's what this team's going to want to do. What's the best way to quickly ruin any play on offense, whether it's a pass or a run? Pressure up the middle, fast pressure up the middle where TJ Slayton's going to be. So getting that interior push, uh, able to you know take on double teams if needed, free up opportunities for Kenny Clark for the edge rushers to get after Justin Fields. Obviously, TJ Slayton's presence, he was able to make plays as a pass rusher throughout training camp, and we saw glimpses of that in the preseason as well. But his ability to hold down the middle – is going to go a long ways in benefiting everyone around him, everyone on that defensive front who is going to have a tough task about dealing with that Bears run game. I know I've talked about on here how the play of the interior defensive line has impressed me this summer. And, uh, of course, I always got to add the caveat. We got to see it take place in, in the regular season. But this group's going to be tested right away in that capacity about how well have how much have they actually improved. And – to that point, I just want to mention as well, I, I talked to Kenny Clark on Monday and 
he of course wasn't going to tip his hand about any sort of uh you know changes that the Packers actually have made but he said this unit's going to look different this year he said watch the tape after the game in terms of what they're doing differently and you know tried to tried to uh get a few you know clues hints out of him but he just gave (laughs) gave a wry Kenny Clark smile about it and said just watch the tape of the following week but looking back at what took place over the last month I've talked about on here the, the speed, the versatility that this unit has, penetrating gaps rather than just trying to eat up space. Uh, with T.J. Slayton playing more in the middle, that's more defensive end snaps for Kenny Clark, more one-on-one opportunities. And I'm sure everyone's seen it in the preseason games. Uh, there's been a lot more post-snap movement from this group, and not just the interior line, but the edge rushers. Like Lucas Van Ness is running a ton of stunts. They're doing a lot of stunts with the the interior defensive linemen as well. So some things to keep our eyes on, but Kenny Clark, again, didn't give specifics, but said be on the lookout for this run defense because it's going to look different this year. And if I can go from there, I've talked about before the linebackers blitzing more. Uh, Ask Quay Walker about that. He said that they are absolutely doing that more this summer. The cornerbacks, they're challenging the receivers more this summer. Jair Alexander's told us that he's worked with cornerbacks coach Greg Williams on his spacing. Uh, Jair said that he has a tendency at times to play too far off. That's just, I guess, more comfortable for him uh, in terms of pre-snap alignment. Um, So we've seen them challenge more as well. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. The the signs point to this being a potentially more aggressive defense, but again, 
We got to see it take place in the regular season. I can hear, I could, as, as those words left my mouth, I could hear a collective groan of, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, which I get. We got to see it take place first, yeah. but there's at least signs of some change potentially coming. Yeah. As a former president once said, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. <laughs> but anyway, you fool me once, you can't fool me again. So um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, Carly Ray in the chat said, I'd love to see a more well-balanced team where we aren't uh, screwed if a starter gets injured. Let's develop the depth at all positions so our guys can stay fresh and rotate in more seamlessly. And then you kind of mentioned, you know, Musgrave, and that's been several people's uh, in the chat, their their X factor. And Ryan Henson mentions here, Quay Walker and Musgrave will be very important this mm -hmm. week. You know, I guess the, the number one comment slash question I've gotten all week long, uh, Paul, as we went live, is – Will they have a spy on Justin Fields? And, and you know, my answer has been they played a lot of what we call double rack coverage where the linebackers were playing in that drop zone across the middle, much mm -hmm. like they did against Washington last year, both linebackers' eyes on the quarterback at all times. And, you know, it tends to – the way it tends to work out is you've got Devondre Campbell in that nickel who has kind of that flat priority on the tight end side, and that, that does free up Quay Walker to – play the backside against the running back in the passing game, but also keep his eyes on the quarterback. This is kind of off cuff, but do, do you think they will put in a specific spy or do you think they'll continue to kind of play that drop rat, you know, that, that zone coverage where they just got their eyes on the quarterback at all times? I think they'll, I think they'll, uh, I don't think they're going to do the spy. I think that they're going to have them have their primary responsibilities, but like you said, they're going to play zone so they can keep their eyes on the quarterback. I didn't ask Joe Barry today specifically about the linebackers, but I asked about the edge rushers. And my specific question was finding that balance with them between, hey, I got to go get the quarterback, but also I got to uh, maintain the edge so I don't lose contain. He gets outside for a big gain. And, you know, Barry said that the latter, the, the contain is obviously an important part of it, but he doesn't want them to be, you know, pass rushing with that on their mind either if they're going to get the quarterback he wants them to go get the quarterback so I feel that we're going to see a similar concept throughout the entire defense you know they're going to call in the play call in the, the the formation that they want them to be in and whatever your responsibility is go do it go do it the best you can but also keep your eyes on where the quarterback is at all times and I'm sure they've gone there I know they've gone through you know if he breaks contain if he gets outside who's going where and what their specific responsibilities are Gotcha. Makes complete sense. Is there anything else that, that we did not uncover here before we let you go, Paul? Is there anything else that you're like, hey, this really sticks out to me this week against the Bears? Anything come to mind? No, we hit on all the big stuff. You know, it's the, I think the run game obviously important for both teams in this game. And then the Packers just kind of overall aggressiveness on the defensive side of the ball. And again, this isn't going to become a you know, a, a man only team or a blitzing every down type of team. It's just little things we're going to be looking for, but uh, things that I'll have that I'll have my eyes on. Gotcha. Well, we we appreciate you so much, Paul. It's always a blast when you join us here. Um, again, this is uh, Paul Brettel. You can find him uh, on Twitter on X. Uh, at Paul underscore Brettel. Um, he also writes for the Packers Wire. Had an awesome article earlier today I was reading, and he writes for Dairyland Express. Also, another thing that I haven't mentioned in the past, you guys have got to check out. Check out his YouTube page. His YouTube channel is absolutely phenomenal. If you like this kind of content, you're going to love it. You'll probably never come back here again. You'll just <laughs> jump over there with Paul. But it, you, you're doing great work, Paul. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time, pal. I, I, always, enjoy, uh, I always enjoy hopping on with you, Clayton. Thank you again. All right. Hey, enjoy the game tonight. You as well. Take care. All right.
Again, that was Paul Brittle. Um, just an awesome guy, man. I tell you, and people say it every week and we can't say it enough. He's just straight facts, you know, straight to the point. No BS. Hey, here's here's what I'm seeing. I love the fact that he you could tell he's a Packers fan, too. I know there's some, you know, some people that take pride in saying, hey, I cover the Packers, but I'm not a Packer fan. Right. But I appreciate it when it's coming from a Packers fan's perspective. And and really the the main reason that it hits home with me when it comes from a Packers fan or a fellow Packers fan, you know, back in the day, as Tim joins us here from Green Bay, um, you know, back in the day when the team first got launched, um, you know, they, they were talking about how the media back then, the Green Bay Press Gazette, way back in the 20s, that they would they would almost be borderline dishonest in reporting to make it sound so much better than it actually was because it was such a hard market to capitalize on, you know, with Green Bay being such a small community. And uh, I don't know, every every time Paul writes an article, I, I learn something. But, Tim, how much of that did you uh, did you catch from Paul, Bob? Uh, I got a page and a half worth of notes today. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm I, should feel, <laughs> I should feel comfortable saying or at least asking you, what was your takeaway from what Paul said? <laughs> um, I've got a lot. Um, but uh, let's see here. I, I can't even read my own writing. I'm writing so fast. Oh, dude, I am the worst for that, man. I am the worst for that. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, I think one of the things that stood out was his comments on Aaron Jones as a threat in the passing game with uh, the possibility of being down, you know, Watson. It, lo- it looks like it's going to be Watson for sure, possibly is going to miss. And then, you know, hopefully Romeo is good uh, tomorrow. But uh, Aaron Jones, it, absolutely. I mean, split them out wide, stick them in a slot if you need to. Um, you know, quick shots out of the backfield, let them go. Uh, he can certainly be a reception machine for us to help uh, carry some of the load. So I really agree with Paul on that that observation right off the bat. Definitely. Definitely. And, and we got everybody in the chat, man. Paul's a fan favorite. Like I said, as soon as they figure out he's got a YouTube channel, they're done with us. I promise you. <laughs> Let's see here. Ryan Henson in the chat said, I would love to see all the motion plays that have been needed for the last few years. You know, they, they, their motion last year was actually up from 2021. They ran more motion last year than 2021. It's just no one really noticed it or complained in 2021 because we had a 13 win season. Right. And, uh, I think you're going to see about the same amount. You know, they've they've almost uh, capped out as far as motion, you know, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the to the uh, to the NFL, and more specifically to the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Right, uh, motion is something that 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 gets uh, kind of brought up every year, and immediately, Tim, people go to. They look at Green Bay's motion numbers. They look at Miami's motion numbers. They look at San Francisco's motion numbers, the L.A. Rams motion numbers, uh, you know, obviously up in Seattle, which Seattle is taking a completely different approach, playing more under the gun and, and spreading it out a bit. But, uh, yeah, look at this, Ryan in the chat giving us an update, which I've got it on the TV here. I hope you do too, Tim. Don't want you missing out on football because you're having to talk to me. But he said uh, football is here and the lines are three and out. Life seems normal again, man. I'll tell you, it, was, <laughs> it seemed like it was forever we didn't have football, right, Tim? Oh, amen. Amen, brother. And uh, that's why I was such a camp rat. You know, I had to get my fix this summer. <laughs> We've been waiting so long and it's finally here, man. This is this is exciting. Definitely. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but I, I think it's Mano in the chat said, FYI, watching Paul is when your channel popped up for me. Not sure why it wasn't sooner. Well, we, we, we're glad you found the channel, bud, and appreciate you supporting us and, and obviously supporting Paul as well. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's let's hit on the injury report real quick. Is that cool with you, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So we got we got kind of some good news today, right? I'm still trying to curb the enthusiasm. And Paul did a great job. He he assumes with no setback that uh, Romeo Dobbs will be back. I'm going to go ahead and pop this on the screen here, guys. Let me get this other banner off real quick. So here's the updated injury report. This is from earlier today. Uh, obviously, Thursday's uh, injury report was released. So David Bakhtiari did not practice completely planned. It's veteran rest. Um, Romeo Dobbs actually practiced today in a limited fashion. Okay. Rashawn Gary practiced limited participation. You've got Anthony Johnson Jr. was full participation once again, so he will be ready. Uh, Christian Watson did not participate once again, and Dontavian Wicks was full participation. So I think it's it's better news, Tim, right? It's better news, but it's probably still not the news that we want to hear. <laughs> Obviously, you want Watson out there on Sunday, but Closer it gets, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's starting to feel like we might be out, be without number nine. Um, and, you know, asking Paul kind of, hey, how do you think this will shift? And I think Carly hit it perfectly in the chat. Man, we we need to pound the freaking rock, right? This, this needs to be one of those run-heavy games. And if we have to win by three points and grind this thing out, so be it, right? Amen. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. Uh, come away with the dub by any means necessary. Uh, if we got to get down and dirty and it's a grinder, let's do it. We, we've certainly got the defense that's built for a grinder of a game. And uh, I think that's going to be huge to just keeping us, you know, in this game in general, man, is if we're not giving up touchdowns, it should be, you know, even if we're shorthanded on offense, that's going to play to our advantage. You know, as long as we can put up, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into score predictions, man, but, right. you know, you put two, three touchdowns on the board, we should, we should, that should be good enough to beat the bears with uh, the way our defense is capable of playing. So um, just looking forward to it, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, definitely. And Ryan uh, responded here in the chat said, not necessarily motion to be exact, but shifting formations slash motions, make the defense think absolutely the, the illusion of complexity, right? That's Matt LaFleur one Oh one. We definitely want to see that. And Emilio in the chat said, um, I hear you, Ryan. It'll, <laughs> it'll also give you give love info, with them moving around, figuring out coverages and such. Absolutely. And and I went back again today, Tim, and actually looked at the uh, – I watched the the Bears game again, the the final meeting with the Bears last year. And, man, they were – it was like 90% zone to the best. I really like to watch the openers. I watched the two uh, – the first two offensive possessions for the Packers, and that really shows you what the game plan was for the opposing team, both offensively and defensively. And on, you know, with the Bears being on the defensive side of the ball, I think I counted there was only one man coverage play and the rest were zone in those first two drives. Now, obviously the Packers fell fell behind 10 to nothing in that and then came back and won. But um it, you know, when you when you talk about how are you going to beat zone, you know, like Emilio's saying there, you use motion. If that player doesn't follow all the way across the formation, there's your trigger. Okay, we're in zone. How do you beat zone, right? And it's all about flooding those zones. It's all, it's all about overloading those zones. And I think it's really going to start up front with the run. You want those backers to kind of get pulled in, right? You want them to be, uh, to be kind of duked into biting on the run fake and then opening up those multiple options behind them at, at multiple levels as well. Um, I actually did this. Um, let's, let's see here. We covered the injury report. Obviously, as of right now, Christian Watson is still out. Romeo Dobbs return limited. Tay Wicks full participation. Tay Wicks probably going to see some snaps if Christian Watson misses that's the game. The, sure. That's the one silver lining, I think, is seeing Tay Wicks being full participation. And, you know, hopefully 
he's good to go. And uh, I, I agree. I think he can uh, contribute right away. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let me take a second here and give a shout out uh, to uh, our sponsor, and that is Old Southern Barbecue. This episode is brought to you by Old Southern Barbecue. They've got uh, award-winning sauces and rubs that will add flavor to all of your Packers watch parties. Guys, they've even got uh, everything from sweet and tangy Dixie Red Sauce. It's, it's kind of like a brown sugar molasses uh, blend to Chicago Fire Sauce that brings the heat with its fiery chili blend. I'll tell you, um, that Chicago Fire Sauce is the sauce that I tried, and it is is absolutely awesome. You guys will want to check it out. They've also got award-winning secret recipe brisket and rib rubs. Um, just really everything you need. If it's if you're like us, and if you listen to um, if you listen to Packernet podcast, and you guys know we we love to cook. That's all we do is we're all, we're always on the smoker. As long as it's not you know negative ten degrees up there in Wisconsin where everybody else is, I'm down here. I'm grilling in the snow, man. I absolutely love it. But when Jacob turned me onto their products. I mean, it's just phenomenal stuff for sure. Um, another thing too, if you if you're in a situation where you're there locally, you know they've got five locations: Ross Lake, Hudson, Arden Hills, Minneapolis, and Shakopee. Um, and you don't want to cook, and you've got a group coming over, definitely check them out. Hit them up for their catering ser- services. They, I mean, they do a great job uh, catering. They got everything from you know smoked meats, homemade sides, cornbread muffins, you name it. And again, you could check them out at uh, OldSouthernBBQ.com. That's OldSouthernBBQ.com uh, for their catering menus and to order any of their sauces and rubs. And, and a special offer for our listeners, um, if you'll enter the promo code PackerNet15, so it's capital P, then lowercase A-C-K-E-R, capital N, lowercase E-T, one five, that'll get you 15% off of your orders. Again, that is uh, Old Southern Barbecue Smokehouse. You can check them out at oldsouthernbarbecue.com. Really appreciate their support here on the channel. So, Tim, let's talk about matchups and keys to the game. You know, you kind of brung this up earlier and, and asking, hey, what, um, you know, not really asking, but saying this would be a good topic. What do you kind of feel like is is maybe one or two key matchups? Did you get a chance to, to jot anything down? Does anything pop off the, the screen to you when you really study this? Um, I, I, we – well, not we, but Paul Paul touched on this a little bit, um, and I think you mentioned it too. Is uh, of course I'm going to say Quay Walker, uh, Quay Walker, and how he's going to handle this um, these you know responsibilities in the middle because you know I'm not convinced of Andre Campbell's 100. percent I don't think anyone thinks that he is at this point. So right. I'm really keeping my eyes on guys like Quay and uh, and Isaiah McDuffie as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, and, and obviously when I talk about those guys, I guess the matchup would be uh, Justin Fields, you know? So like what, how are these uh, younger linebackers going to really, um, you know, handle this? Because I, I'm of the belief that if we think Justin Fields is going to run all day, conventional wisdom says he's going to run all day. The bears are going to try and run. It's like, okay, but what do we, what do we do if they're not going to do that? What if they do let him, quote unquote, beat us with his arm, you know? So I'm looking at Quay and I'm looking at uh, Isaiah McDuffie because uh, if Campbell's good to go, I I just consider him reliable and good to go. But uh, I I believe uh, Quay and uh, Isaiah McDuffie could play, you know, crucial roles in this defense on Sunday. Yeah. 
For sure, for sure. Let's do this. I'm going to kind of give you my keys to the game, and we talked about it a little earlier in the week, and, and I'm going to share the screen here in a second, too. I've got a little surprise for you if we can get everything to work um, properly. But really what I wanted to see, and, and I'll pull the graphic up here, we talked about their defense. It's going to be hard for some of you guys to see. Just try to uh, try to key in on it if you can. If you can't, then we, uh, we'll just read off the grades here to you. These are the PFF grades, and this is us in 11 personnel the Bears and the nickel set, and and the weakness that really pops off the screen. We talked about this the other day. I just want to briefly mention it before we go into the next segment here is the left side of this defense, especially if we're playing a slot left look, with which in this illustration here it's what you see, is extremely weak. I mean, they're showing that they're that they're uh, two eye or one tech on the left side from the offense's perspective. Forty five point eight. His name's Jones. Then you got Green playing on the outside there at edge at a sixty two point four. And then your nickel, Gordon, a 49.8, and Johnson on that side of 62.9. And this right here is what makes me think, hey, let's run left a lot. Let's really key in on wide zone left, inside zone left, even scatter a little duo in as well. I think that's going to be the key to set everything up that you want for what Emilio was just talking about in the chat there and, and everyone else just talking about play and play action and work in the middle of the field, getting that defense to pull up. I'm going to share the screen here real quick, Tim. And I had drew up a couple of plays. Hopefully we can get this to work. And uh, if you'll just confirm, you can see that. Can you see that, Tim? Yep, I can see it. All right, awesome. So when I'm talking wide zone left, I'm going to jump into the playbook here. I just put a few things together. Hopefully this is big enough for you guys. Again, I can't zoom in any further. So um, get close to your screens like it's 1987 again, all right? But <laughs> so this is just your typical wide zone look, right? And what I did was out of a 12 personnel because, you know, at, out of a 12 wide zone, it's going to trigger their 4-3 and it's kind of a balanced look, right? And really over here on the left side, if you can see my cursor, this is going to be your Y tight end. Over here will be your H or your U. I don't care what you can call it, bunk bed for all I care. I get into so many arguments when people say, nope, that's this tight end. That's that tight end. Some people would refer to this being the F simply because it's Luke Musgrave, but Anytime a tight end is attached and he's the number one tight end, they're looking to play him as a Y, and that's the way I see it. So with this wide zone look, you can kind of see they've got two shape, two safeties on the shelf, and, and I would expect them to kind of come out and play it somewhat conservative, try to limit the explosive plays the same way we will, and then once you start to establish the this play, you can see the hat count over here. You can see where the tight end, the, the attached Y on the left side, is going to be able to double team that edge and work itself into the backer. And you've got a hat on a hat, basically. Even if he doesn't get a good clean block on that weak side backer, well, I'm sure it'll be the weak side backer. Then Aaron Jones is going to be able to make that guy miss. Obviously, you need your receivers to uh, to block down and do all the nasty stuff. I wouldn't mind to see Malik Heath out here on the edge. I promise you that. <laughs> so that's going to kind of set everything up. Now, when I talk about booting right off of that, right, those backers are really strong in coverage. That's their that's their strength, right? And, again, Edmonds is kind of weak in the run, so I think you'll be able to hammer that home with them, wide zone left, get them pulling up. And then right here what we have is a 12-Y-flex boot drive flood is what I would call it. Now, it, you know, some people would just call this a drive concept. Um, I, I call it a drive flood simply because a flood concept typically is a three-receiver concept on one side of the field where you're stretching vertically up the sideline and then you've got two levels underneath, 
Okay. But with the drive concept, it's typically outside receiver. Your number one receiver is going to run an in breaking route underneath the number two receiver who's going to go a little deeper. Okay. And the circles I've got highlighted here is going to be your windows, your weak spots in this defense, because as you can see, this is a play action boot play, right? They're going to, these backers, the goal is to get these guys to really pull up, right? You can see this play action boot. We're going to Fake that outside run, that stretch, okay? Now imagine the motion that you guys were just talking about, right, in the chat with Musgrave here. This is Musgrave. So I want you to imagine the previous play, forget the forget the route for a second. Imagine he's here pre-snap, right? We come to the line, we get set, we flex him out, right? And when you flex him out, it's going to walk this defender out. It'll probably bring this other safety down into the box a bit as well. So when you do this, you're faking the stretch, you're faking the wide zone, right? And you're booting off of it. What you've got on the front side here with the U tied in is probably most likely going to be the Guara is a little chip and a little leak out to the flat. So what you're looking to do is create the illusion of a run, get these backers to pull up post snap, right? Now look at this void you have out here. Okay. And, and, Every play works perfect on paper. It's got to be executed. These offensive linemen have to sell the fact that we're running here, right? But once the ball is snapped and you give that wide zone action, that boot action look, these backers should get displaced. And as they do, what you're looking at is you've got your number one read out here on the outside, obviously. That's probably going to be your Jaden Reed, in my opinion. You, you need some speed on the outside. Keep in mind you've got – our boy Musgrave right here in technically the slot. Now it's going to be Y flex or Y slot. And then of course the other healthy receiver, most likely Romeo Dobbs working underneath. So you run this boot action, you get those backers up and out of place. This guy is completely taken out of the equation. He's not going to be covering anyone. He's going to be playing deep zone. Most likely they play, like I said, it was something like 80, 84 to 85% zone on those opening drives that I seen. And you've got the field stretching on this side. It's going to walk this corner out. Right. So what you're looking to do is create that illusion. Right. It's simplicity. Yep. This guys, this is real simple. This is just like I said, a, yep. a 12 personnel Y flex boot drive flood concept. That's all it is. And you're going to give all this displacement, you know, in motion and then come underneath and you've got your reads. It's going to be number one read. It's going to be number two read. Right. This right here coming across the, the middle on that crosser. That's going to be your number two. And guess what? It's going to free up. You've got your safety valve underneath. You've got Aaron Jones, who's going to basically run a little bit of a Texas, not really an angle route, more of a what they what they call it. Uh, how there's like there's like, like five different. Yeah, well, it's no. they've got like five different versions of you know. Some people would call it a circle route. I've always referred to it as Texas. Some people call an angle route a Texas. Essentially, it's the same thing. The running back's gonna you're gonna run that play action stretch left, and he's gonna come across the middle right here, right. So. That's what you're looking to do there. And what you're what you're trying to do, you get these backers sucked up. Now they see the running back coming out. He's going to try to drop back. And they've got to choose. They've got to choose at what level they're going to drop. Now, again, this guy's completely out of the play if they're playing that traditional cover three that they like to play. They like to play a little cover two invert as well. This safety's got to make a decision, right? So he may bite a little bit, then he's going to get back. Guess where he's going? Right here. He's going to yep. play a little zone match, right? Now, obviously, this corner is going to walk out with the deep side. Uh, there with the flood concept. So you've got your safety valve, and now you're attacking at levels. These backers have got to get back. You've got Aaron Jones underneath, and you've got Romeo Dobbs one layer deeper. And, again, you're looking for a window here. You're looking for a window here, and you've got your safety valve there. Okay, so when we talk about, again, going back to the original play, you'll see how – let me save this real quick. All right, you'll see how with the original play – 
that right there set it up. And again, this at this point right here, Musgrave with this wide zone left is attached. So when you get into some of that boot action, you can flex them out there, right? But again, with him being attached, that's going to set up that wide zone. Anything come to mind with uh, for you there, Tim? And does that explain what I've been trying to illustrate here lately, as far as uh, as far as talking about? Hey, here's here's how I would attack this defense. Does that make sense? It, it does, and it's great to be able to to see it um, on the screen because, like in that that last scenario, the thing that stuck out to me, which is what you just went over, is that that safety. It's almost like you know, if he bites it. It almost helps us. <laughs> it's like if he if he come if he if he does drop down lower, which, like you said, based on scheme, in all likelihood he probably stays home or plays further back just by default. Um, but if he does, in fact, come up a little bit and we get to that second read, yeah, who is that going to be? Is that going to be Dobbs flying down the sideline? It is uh, you know hopefully it's Christian Watson. You know, fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> but but man, if 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 Jay Love gets to that read in that scenario, that's uh, one of those explosive plays we talk about waiting to happen. And even if he hits the under too, you know, if yeah. if he if that if he, if, he, if he's able to get that ball in that space, you know, with Musgrave or you know, th- this this is the type of concepts that uh, I think we're going to see a lot of this year. And it's just cool to see you break it down like this with the yeah, uh, the telestrator especially too with with Jordan Love's ability to run, right? We haven't seen that for so long uh with with Aaron Rodgers, right? That's that's been one of the big big things missing and he, and he still had, you know, quick enough speed, quick enough legs to to shake a Jalen Ramsey and throw him three rows deep <laughs> into the, into the stadium, right? But at the same time when you've got a legitimate threat that hey, Jordan Love, which he showed in the preseason, he can really oh, yeah. take off and run. Um, that's another thing that the defense has got to respect, right? And that's when you talk about when you hear me talk about the six back offense that that Michael Lombardi talks about all the time. Yeah, there's an inside running aspect, but another thing that comes into play here, gang, is what he what's referred to also as RPR, which is run pass run. Okay, you've you know, yes, you can you can run the ball here on an outside stretch, just like we showed in the original play. You can also boot action and 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 uh, and pass off of it. But also another thing that can happen is you can have Jordan Love get out here, right? And and he can also take off up the field and run. You know, if if they do come out here and let's say a backer recovers, he goes to the flat, right? The safety's got some stuff covered up and you've got a running lane. He's got the the wheels to take off upfield and maximize that for sure. So and he has that instinct to do it too. Jordan's very yeah. like when he commits to to run, it's very sudden and it's quick and it's I'm going. There's no there's no second guess, and he's not really dancing around. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have his uh his feet moving in the pocket, but as far as tucking and running, he's very sudden with that and very quick with the decision. So, you know, as long as the read is right and the and like you said, it it plays out how we want it to play. If that's the move, I I think he's gonna take it without hesitation, and we very well could see uh, some hot takes coming coming true. We could see a sixty plus <laughs> yard rushing game from our quarterback definitely hey i love what paul said earlier too you know i asked him about x factors on offense and defense he said offense it could be musgrave this is this is an opportunity if watson does miss this game it's an opportunity 
for Musgrave to shine. There's no doubt about it. Um, on defense, he said TJ Slayton. I'm really excited to see TJ Slayton. It's obvious that he flashed to Paul in camp as well. I'm telling you, man, when I turn on that preseason tape, he looked like a different player. He really did. Let's move on to the other aspect. You guys heard me talk about RPOs, right? And, and, and working the RPO read game. And then we'll wrap this thing up with the chat. So on this play here specifically, I, I want you to fast forward, let's say to the middle of the second, maybe even the third quarter. And let's say we did get the running game going, right? And the running game has, has been working really well. Now you can start to get away from the outside zone and run that what we'd refer to as mid zone. Okay, inside zone, or as Mike Wall refers to it as mid zone, same thing. Okay, so you start to work the the mid zone, uh, you know, aspect of this offense. Now, right here, what I'm going to show you is is basically a you you can do this out of a 12, you can do it out of 11. Let's assume it's 11 here. So now you're in 11, you trigger their nickel defense. You've got one less linebacker, one more DB, which makes them a little more vulnerable against the run. You can pound this inside inside zone run all day long, right? This mid zone run. So what happens now? We've now established the run, and we're, you know, like I said, deep into the second quarter, maybe early in the third. And this nickel defender starts to kind of cheat a little bit, right? He's getting up in here and he's taking away. He's he's adding another hat to that box. Okay. And these backers are starting to cheat up a little bit. Okay. Cause there's there's more than, you know, more than one different RPO style here. We can we could talk about a lookie. We can do that here in a second if you want. But right here is basically an RPO bubble. Okay. So the ball is going to be snapped. Jordan Love, when he gets the ball, he's going to put the ball into the belly of the running back, right? He's going to plan on handing this off on an inside zone. The entire offensive line assumes it's going to be inside zone. And out here, you're going to have the slot, or it could be the Y flex if you want to come out in a 12 personnel. And let's say you motion the Y over, and he's now in the in the uh, in the slot here. It's going to be a, what we call a bubble screen. Okay, notice how that forms almost like a bubble right here. That's why it's referred to as a bubble screen. Your receiver is going to plan on blocking down on the corner that's across from him. Notice how the box is heavy, right? You, you've got them kind of stacking the box. They're getting some extra defenders in here. Let's say that because they want to play to the strong side, you get these guys right here. Now Jordan is reading two players here, right? If right. when he snaps the ball, these defenders come for the run, and why would they come at the run here, gang? Not just because the running back looks like he's going to fake, but the beautiful thing about the RPO game is the offensive line has to be a little hesitant and not get too far down the field because if they get beyond the line of scrimmage too quick and you throw this pass, then you're going to get called for ineligible downfield. But as they show, as they come you know, away from the snap, the offensive line, all the blockers are going to appear as if they're running a zone blocking scheme because they are like right. they're assuming that he's going to hand the ball to the running back because the rest of the play doesn't even matter to them. They're just run blocking. Now, if Jordan sticks that ball into the belly and these defenders crash here, that's your what we call your RPO read. Guess what happens? That ball is going to get fired right out here to the RPO bubble, and now you've got a plus one. We've talked about it all week long, all offseason, Tim. Football is a numbers game. It's all about getting that plus one. You get these guys out of position, quick bubble, guess what happens? He's up the sideline. you got a lead blocker right here, and you're off to the races. You've seen it over and over last year. It also makes me think of right away, though, like you said, this is uh, assuming that's Romeo, assuming that's Samari Toure, whoever that is out there, you got to hit your block, man. Because because yeah. if you don't, because if you don't, that can be uh, a disaster waiting to happen. Honestly, definitely. <laughs> I'll so, tell you so who I would feel comfortable having out there. 
Malik Heath. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A dog. Yeah. As Emilio said, blocking them to the cooler, right? Yeah, <laughs> man. <to> the <laughs> yeah, man. You know, say oh, what you want. Like that's that's the one thing that we, you know, with Lazard being gone, that's that's a void. We want to see who's going to step up and fill that. Who's going to be our our uh, you know our our headhunter out there as a blocking blocking receiver? And uh, I'm with you, man. Malik Heath's got that written all over him. So yeah, definitely. Good stuff. And again, I've been trying to explain all that all week long, and I thought, why not try to illustrate it? We got us a really cool program we're going to be able to use this year. Um, So I think it'll be exciting. Let's uh, let's get ready to wrap this puppy up, man. This show flew by. Let's go to the chat real quick. And I'll tell you what, the fact that we have so many people watching in here right now and there's a live NFL game on just blows my mind. We really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. I've got it on the screen right here. I'm not missing a snap. One of the reasons I want to draw these plays up is – while that was covering my face on the screen, I'm going <laughs> talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, let's go to the chat and we'll, we'll get ready to wrap up here. Let's see. Carly said uh, in the chat, but in order to establish that threat of the run, you also have to run sometimes when you want to pass on second down. If we picked up zero or whenever yeah. uh, we are on third and seven, sometimes we can't be predictable. Absolutely. You know, something that you might see return uh, to this offense, which we've seen a lot in Matt LaFleur's first year, was they run a ton of halfback draws. And it just feels like they haven't ran many halfback draws at all. And for those of you who may not know, a draw play is basically every – you know how we just showed uh, that that RPO look and even a play-action pass? Everything sells as if it's a run. Well, in a draw play, the, the, uh, the offensive lineman will actually fade back as if they're in pass block, yeah. right? So you convince the defensive line, okay, I'm pass rushing here. And then a delay handoff, and you you kind of get them to overcommit to their run lanes, right? That type of thing. So, um, yeah, good stuff there, uh, Carly. Completely agree for that. Let's see here. We've got Ryan in the chat. All the reports of more aggressive defense up front this year. Do you think it's just uh, it's just front seven gap penetration, or more aggressive coverage, or both? Um, I don't know, man. You know, there's a lot of people been screaming for man coverage. I, I have been extremely vocal about this. I'm not the last thing I want is for them to switch completely to man coverage. I'm telling you, when you play man coverage, you are so vulnerable to the run as well as the play action pass. It's statistically proven that you're going to give up more explosive plays. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not a a net gain, right, Uh, a net advantage playing man coverage because there have been great defenses like Belichick's bullseye defense in New England that that do really well playing man coverage. But – the statistics suggest, the analytics suggest playing this quarters coverage with man match, zone match principles, um, that tends to reduce the explosive plays tremendously, right? You know, one of the reasons that the league started to incorporate this wide zone run was because it was the leading the leading cause of explosive plays in the league. Um, you know, basically, if you get an explosive play, a play of more than 20 yards, uh, that's what they consider explosive play. It triples your chances of scoring on that drive. So the entire Shanahan tree said, "Hark!" All these young, you know, whippersnappers, uh, coaches. They said, "Why don't we do this? Why don't we go to the wide zone, right?" <laughs> and then on defense, if you want to stop the wide zone, if that's the the leading explosive play getter on offense as far as the running game, let's run wide edges. Okay, basically your wide nines, your wide sevens. That's why you see our edge defenders so far out wide. If you guys listen to the play callers podcast slash documentary, 
that's one of the things that Mike McDaniel talked about. He talked about Green Bay. He's like, yeah, when you play Green Bay, you got to worry. And he used some very colorful language, but he said you got to worry about those wide AWS edges, right? Because it takes your wide zone away. Now you're forced to run in between the tackles, therefore reducing the explosive plays. Now, in the passing game, it's your shot plays, right? Your shot plays are your explosive plays. Well, they learned statistically that Fangio had mastered the uh, the too high look pre-snap, two safeties on the shelf, that really deters a quarterback from going over the top, at least with a preset play. And it also forces the quarterback to read the play out because there's no movement pre-snap. So the reason I bring that up is because, like Ryan, what you were talking about being more aggressive in coverage, there, there's two aspects of that, right? It's pre-snap rotation bringing safeties into the box and being more aggressive in that regard or playing more man coverage, which I consider aggressive because, you know, you're, you're basically asking a defender to cover a man one-on-one as opposed to passing him off and using the Nick Saban effect of always playing plus one. And what I mean by that is Nick Saban has what we call a cover seven defense, which is a quarters look for the most part. And it's been adjusted a little bit over the last two or three years, but essentially what you're looking to do, I might be able to do – I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyway. I'm going to share the screen one more time because it would give me a good illustration to explain. I've tried to explain this so many times, Tim, and with uh, with no uh, explanation here or no way of illustrating it, I should say. It makes it tough. Let's, let's, let's play a passing. Let's assume this is all passes, okay? This is a passing play right here. So let's say you've got a two-wide receiver set. Again, forget their assignment for a minute. Just focus on the X's and O's, okay? When you've got two receivers on this side of the field, what you're looking to do um, in this cover seven defense with Saban is you're looking to create a triangle, a plus one effect. You've got two receivers. You want three defenders, right? So it's essentially what you end up having, no matter where he's placed, is you're going to have a triangle effect. Now, typically they'll drop deep, right? These guys will drop back. And what you've got right there, you can see, is a triangle, right? They make, they all make a triangle. That's the most ugliest triangle anyone has ever drew, drew there. But you can see that's, a, that's what you call a triangle look, right? Now, let's say that they come out in a trips look, okay? Meaning you've got three receivers on this side. Let me get off of that real quick. If you've got three receivers on that side, Tim, right? Now what you've got is a box look. See how you've got the box. You've got three receivers, four defenders. You always stay plus one, okay? It's always been hard to explain that without illustrating it. So definitely uh, cool to be able to do that with that program as well. So I hope all that makes sense. That's just kind of the way that that I, you know, see them attacking and even defending and, and trying to explain of how we got to this quarter's coverage, this too high look. Nick Saban, you know, he has adopted it at Alabama. And whether you like the guys as, as a person or not, I mean, this dude's a freaking genius. And it's it's all about playing the analytics and saying, okay, you may score, but Tim, you're going to have to use every inch of the field and you're not going to get an explosive play on us, man. That, that seems to be the name of the game in today's NFL. Absolutely. And just like Paul mentioned earlier, you know, the speed and versatility of these defenders, you know, post-snap movement by both the edge and interior guys, linebackers possibly blitzing more, corners are going to be playing closer to the line of scrimmage. We we talked about uh, Jair and Coach Williams working uh, throughout camp. Uh, Paul brought that up again tonight, highlighting that the uh, the work those two have been doing 
And it's like, there's ways to stay within this system and this scheme and still be a little more aggressive. There really is. You, you don't have to sell out, you know, and I think that's what the point we're trying to get across is, you know, Oh, you want to see man. Well, we're going to see man. We'll see man match. We'll see a little bit of uh, man coverage sprinkled in there, but to think that we're just going to go out and one and have this singular uh, focus when it comes to defense is just, that's not what we're going to do, man. And, and Joe Barry's system, you know, if there was a year for everything to click and for it to work, this is the year. So, you know, fingers crossed, man. I really hope, hope these guys get it done and we see it this year. I think they will. Absolutely. And in the past episode, I actually brought up a graphic showing the percentage of coverages that the Packers played last year. They were very, very multiple. They played cover one man quite a bit. I think it was like it was something like 14th most in the league. They played cover one man. And you should have seen people like I had people DMing me going, I had no idea they played that much man coverage because it's hard to understand what they're what they're actually running on a TV copy. Because Mm -hmm. when you're playing zone, typically you're playing zone match. Right. You're cover you're still covering a player, but passing them on to another zone. And they can even trigger a man match principle at any point. You can even play Meg. I'm not a big fan of Meg, but you can play Meg. And with Meg, you're kind of isolating what we refer to as your apex depend defenders. But with Meg, it's it stands for man everywhere you go. Right. No matter where you line up on the field, you're playing man uh, against the person across from you. The only problem with that is if you do that and everyone else is playing zone match. Wherever that guy lined up, as they as as he's playing man coverage and he's walked out of his area, that zone's going to be wide open, right? There's always going to be. It's almost it's almost as if you fired that guy on a blitz. You've got to account for where his zone would have been. Um, but I could ramble about this stuff all night, man. I absolutely love the X's and O's and, and the chess match that comes with it. But uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. We're at the hour mark. Love the fact that everybody's just hanging out in here watching the Lions game, rooting against them. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, Ryan Henson in the chat said, I'm new here, but I love you guys. Keep it up. I'll be here all season. Ryan, we appreciate you uh, hopping on and checking us out, man. You're always welcome in here. And like, like we were talking about with Carly and other people yesterday, man, we're we're all learning together. You're not going to get anybody in here that's going to be a, a, an a-hole, right? Um, we kind of meet everybody where they're at. I'm still learning. Tim's still learning. And as the season goes along, these are the type of things we want to talk about and break down and understand, okay, what actually happened on Sunday. And uh, typically there'll be a Chalk Talk uh, episode uh, immediately following the game, like maybe by Monday or Tuesday. That way we can kind of look at the key plays, break them down, and go, okay, here's actually what happened as opposed to, Man, we need Jair following the other, the number one receiver, <laughs> right? And just you can't, you can't really complain with what you got when you don't even understand what you actually have right now, right? And and there's a lot of that, and you just got to kind of block it out because you know I'm not here to tell anyone how to fan, uh, but I do. I love to see the light come on in people's eyes with just the 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 simplest concepts of football and going. I never knew that. Because every time I stumbled onto something like that, it was just, man, it makes the game pop so much more. So, uh, But we appreciate you hanging out with us, Ryan, for sure. All right, let's get out of here. Um, just want to make sure we didn't miss anything here in the chat. Uh, Andy said yes to uh, Jordan Love scrambling. Absolutely, man. Uh, get him out there for sure. Ryan Henson said, Emilio, I've been hooked on their content for about two weeks. My top pick every day. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Larry in the house. Hey, Posse. Uh, got here just in time to say hi. We appreciate you swinging through, Larry, for sure. And, um, okay, yeah, Carly said we've had a few trolls, but Clayton boots them. 
Yeah, and when they get the boot, this is this is what they're faced with every time. This is tradition. When we have to kick a knucklehead out of here, they get this. Roadhouse. That's just the way we roll. So, <laughs> um, all right. And one more thing, Ryan says, Chalk Talks are awesome. Uh, you do great work. Uh, brings a different way to watch the game. That's absolutely right, man. It's it's a lot of fun breaking them death. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Every time I get through doing a Chalk Talk, damn, I sit back and go, Man, I was an idiot. I had no idea all that happened on Sunday. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we do our post game show, you'll you'll see it this Sunday. You'll hear me say, ha- "Not having watched the tape yet, here is yep. what I noticed." Right? Because it never fails. I'll have four pages of notes. Typically, uh, every quarter has a page designated to each quarter of notes, and we go into the post game show with those notes. And I'm telling you, Tim, almost every time I sit down to do chalk talk, I, by by the second. The second of three passes through every snap of the film, I'm going, boy, X that one off. I had no clue what I was talking about there because you're watching yep. the TV copy, you know? So, yep. yeah. All right, man. Parting thoughts, Tim. You got anything, buddy? Uh, no, man. Just looking forward to this weekend. This is going to be this is gonna be awesome. Kickoff to the 2023 season. Go, Pack, go. Uh, looking forward to the post games and, and the chalk talks, man. You know, that's uh, – that's one of the reasons I was drawn to your content and and how we ended up linking up, man, was just the, uh, the chalk talks, man. And, you know, you, we all learn together, like you said, so I'm looking forward to another great year, man. It's going to be great. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it too. And and again, those chalk talks, it's funny. It came from serious NFL radio way back in the day, Pat Kerwin and Tim Ryan had a show called, uh, I think it was called the afternoon blitz and they would, do chalk talk every now and again. And that's where I got the name from. And then he started promoting his book, take your eye off the ball. And that's when I read that book and I was hooked for life. So I know Carly's reading that right now. Jacob's reading that. Um, I sent you an audio book version of it, Tim. Hopefully you got it. Um, hopefully you were able to uh, listen to it, but uh, Tim said the heck with this. I'm out of here. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Appreciate everybody in the chat. There he is back. Tim, what I was saying before you got kicked off was uh, I tried to send you that audio book version of Take Your Eye Off the Ball. If you can't get it to work, text me when we get out of here, and I'll make sure oh, I can get it I got to it. You. I got it for did sure. You, yeah, I, and, but I'm, I got to get the book, man. I'm gonna, I'll probably like listen and read along and take notes and watch yeah. film and just be completely addicted. <laughs> the voice is so annoying on those audio books. It's like, my, could you, it's like they sat down and had 20 people audition and said, which one sounds the worst? Okay. Let's use that voice. I think <laughs> it was probably which one's the cheapest. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Yeah. I'll say you're right. All right. We're out of here again. Thank you to everyone who uh, hung out with us in the chat tonight. Enjoy the game tonight. Football is 100% back. Can't wait for the game uh, on Sunday. It's going to be absolutely awesome. The latest installment of the Packers-Bears rivalry. Uh, Again, we're going to be, let's see, tomorrow's Friday. We will probably be off tomorrow. I might do a surprise broadcast, but uh, typically we take Fridays off because I've got a nephew who's uh, playing high school football, sophomore absolute stud he's already six foot five this this kid's going to be a monster and um he's a sophomore out there playing and it's so cool seeing it tim he's playing he's playing Y off they do a little bit of pre-snap motion and when they don't motion he's the sif blocker so the sif follows me everywhere i go i absolutely love it that's <laughs> so, awesome man yeah. all right we're out of here for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back go the power sweep Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle.